my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He, he is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy International Anti-Corruption Day, Joe, courtesy of the United Nations. Excellent. In, in honor of International Anti-Corruption Day, I'm going to give 20% of all my bribes and kickbacks to charity today. <laughs> it is episode number 201. Time to take a victory lap. Yeah, I kind of like to think of this as the after party, right? If last week was the birthday anniversary celebration, this is now the kind of like the cool party that breaks out into the kitchen. The, the wistful reminiscing of yeah. what just transpired. Uh, coming up on today's show, all the shit we couldn't fit into last week's because we were too busy making Aaron Sorkin and Phil Helmuth Jr. laugh. And also Spraggy. Uh, we've got anecdotes. I do at least. We've got stuff we've watched. I watched a lot. I've got uh, a few legit hands to talk about from my home game. Not bad beats. Okay. Um, uh, can I just put yeah. a caveat on that? So here's the yeah. thing. When Joe yeah. sent over the notes for this week's podcast, he specifically yeah. said to me, please don't look at the hands in advance because I want you to hear about it in real time and I want your real time reactions. And I did that. But the warning is that means I didn't get a chance to proofread them. And as regular listeners to this show <laughs> will know, Joe's recollection of hands and the way in which he keeps notes on hands and then recounts hands is at best muddled. That is... 100% true. <laughs> so he's hoping for the best, right? Yes, we do. All right, so the hands are coming from my home game, which Michael Sarah was conspicuously absent from, uh, but that's probably because he was preparing for a star-studded charity game that took place on Monday. Yeah, which we're not going to talk about too much right now, but in the coming days and weeks, you'll learn more about that. Great. So Michael Sarah, star of Molly's Game and Year One, is on the show today, going to talk to him about his newfound love of poker. But as we said, I think we should kick off today's show, James, by patting ourselves on the back for episode 200. Uh, it was such a lot of fun. And I have to say, that experience last Friday night of watching the show play out live for audiences to see and hear it for the first time, the same time that we were hearing and seeing it back, was great. And hanging out in the chat, on Twitch, and obviously I appreciate there are people watching it on YouTube as well, just being able to talk to you guys while that went out, and, you know, I, I hope that it ticked as many boxes as possible. I know that Joe and I are going to fanboy hard, right, over someone oh, like yeah. Aaron Sorkin, and maybe you don't know his work, or maybe you're just not really into the movie TV stuff as much as we are, but hopefully that was balanced by the appearance of Phil Helmuth, who just helmuthed his way through that entire 30 minutes um i think it came together really well i was really happy with it i also didn't know how that bizarre flipping game with josh was actually going to play out uh, especially in audio form but listening to the audio version back it almost and i emphasize the word almost worked yeah. so even um so my girlfriend watched and my best friend who have no interest in poker and they like that part too so i think we got lucky that that squeaked out um, did you, when you watch it back, only see the things you wish you had said? No, because as we said at the time, I acknowledged all the things I wanted to talk to Aaron Sorkin about, yeah. all the questions I wanted to ask. And with Helmuth, I feel that it was on the list. It's not like we didn't intend to talk about the heads up battle between Doug and Daniel. He felt like the, the perfect sure. person to weigh in on that. And that's the big thing happening in poker right now. And we wanted to get his view on it. But, you know... 
time is a factor. And one thing I was really pleased, actually, is even though it was a bumper pack show and we had... Jen Shahadi talking about Queen's Gambit. We were able to talk about the Sunday Million streams with Spraggy. We had Maria and Josh for that superfan segment. I really wanted us to not go hit the two-hour mark, right? You know, once you see more than 120 it's minutes, daunting. you're like, ugh. Like, Even really? for a movie, right? For yeah, a movie, exactly. if I see it's over two hours, I'm like, oh man, what a commitment. Exactly. So I, I felt that it was a manageable length. It was feature length without being a behemoth. And naturally that means there's stuff that we didn't get to say, stuff we didn't get to talk about. But overall, I, I would be nitpicking if I was going to start to poke holes in it. I think it was a great show. I just That's just me. I just always look at it and go, oh, I wish I had said that there. I could see the parts where I was being more reverent than irreverent and I think with someone like Aaron Sorkin you probably should be but I'm like oh I wish I had goofed on that or taken that chance anyway the most important thing Joe is your sole objective as I referenced on the show (laughs) of the 200th episode and having Phil Helmuth be one of the guests of honor was to get yourself unblocked on Twitter by Phil and I believe that that did finally happen after the show aired that did happen. I would like to thank everyone who tweeted at Phil, especially Raksha, our super mod, who, who whipped the, uh, the Twitch crowd into shape and got everyone to tweet at Phil. Phil has unblocked me over under on how long it takes him to block me again. Well, you need to be on your best behavior. I will. <laughs> I will. All right. So uh, I promised a Thanksgiving anecdote about lighting money on fire. You now, did indeed. So Thanksgiving was weird this year, obviously, for lots of reasons, one of which being people said, don't have gatherings. Yeah. Right? Uh, So all of my friends did not, they all canceled their travel plans, didn't see family. I have a yard. I said, come over to the house. We'll eat in the yard. Everyone can stay outside. Everyone can stay, you know, six feet apart. Outdoors really does seem to be a huge difference as far as the spread of this thing. So... I had ordered food for four people. And then all of a sudden it turned into eight people. So I had to order more food. But I couldn't get more food from the same place I got the first food from because the food was sold out at that place. So I had to get food from a different place. And the different place, Boston Market, uh, I couldn't pick up the food on Thanksgiving morning like I was the other food. I had to pick it up on Tuesday. Joe, I'm already stressed. And A, this happened two weeks ago. And B, it didn't happen to me. What do you mean? Oh, (laughs) so yes, it was very stressful. So because of COVID, I get to the first food place and there's a lot, I have a a pickup time at 3 p.m., 48 hours before Thanksgiving dinner. Right. The line is 75 people long. Oh God. I wait in line for 90 minutes. Basically what happened was it's normally a restaurant and they were supposed to shut down their online ordering system, but they didn't. So people were coming to pick up regular food and being told, we're sorry, we don't have it. We're only doing Thanksgiving meals right now. So it's very awkward. On On Thursday, I waited in a different line for over an hour to get the rest of the food. Now, all's well for Thanksgiving dinner. However, one very important person was not able to make it. And all of my friends had canceled their plans anyway. So I said, let's do a Thanksgiving two on Saturday because I ended up having all this extra food. Right. So we heat up all the leftovers Saturday, but what we didn't have to make the real Thanksgiving for my friend who missed the first one was cornbread and a couple of sides. So I ordered that stuff from 
the first restaurant again. Okay, just, and it just to them, pause there, just to pause there, yeah. bearing in mind that this friend couldn't make the event on Thursday. Yeah. Do you not think they could just live without cornbread for Probably, Thanksgiving? Probably, but that's not how I operate. I got to light money on fire. Okay, okay. So I order the sides to be delivered at 3 p.m. for dinner, and then I realize I have not ordered the right sides, and I can't get through to the restaurant, and so I order more different sides, but I forget to order them for 3 p.m. So now they're on their way now. Okay. But then all of a sudden, 3 p.m. comes, and the sides haven't arrived yet. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Is Boston Market, have they forgot to shut down their online ordering again, and they're just not open? Nope. Turns out that instead of ordering six pieces of cornbread, I ordered six dozen cornbreads, and that's why it took them two hours to bring it to me. This guy walks up to my house with 72 cornbreads. Joe, there is a not insignificant difference between six (laughs) and 72. How the hell did you make that mistake? And because it gives you like the option, like, do you want cornbread? Yes. Yes. Six of them. But for some reason, you know, these, these apps have some like little weird intricacies sometimes right and so where i'm sure it said, i fucked where up. it said a dozen portions of cornbread and you then wrote six next to it that's Correct. the app's fault but then the best part was that the thing that was scheduled to come at 3 p.m because i had ordered so many sides they also gave me free cornbread <laughs> and i got six more cornbread with the sides so i had damn near 80 <laughs> pieces of cornbread okay for thanksgiving so, too so just to be clear Number one, you've clearly been eating nothing but cornbread for the last two weeks just to get through this insane supply. And this is all because one person missed out on cornbread on Thursday and you didn't want them to miss out on the Saturday. Correct. But in a weird glitch in the Matrix, my mom sent us uh, an advent calendar. No, an advent calendar. (laughs) And guess what's behind every single door in the advent calendar? Cornbread. Fucking jam. (laughs) So every day now, we fucking open up the, th- the, the door, take out a jam, and like eating cornbread like it's World War II, and it's the only food we have. Like every day, we're like, no, another day, another cornbread. Oh, man. Oh, anyway, Joe. Joe. Lit a bunch Joe. of money on fire with the cornbread. I, I'm not going to um, ask the total cost. Uh, at least it didn't involve a Muse concert for once. Correct. Yeah, no, just another idiotic thing of mine. Uh, <laughs> we probably only have time to talk. Are we going to talk about these monoliths or what? I mean, it's 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 a, it's an art thing, right? It's not some kind of alien invasion, or it, it's 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 clearly a nod to Kubrick's two thousand and one. And if it is aliens, they could be a little more original. Yeah, exactly. Everybody don't, rips off Kubrick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, aliens! You know, don't, don't be so derivative. You know, how about like exploring the early work of Jean Renoir, for example? How many people do that? <laughs> When they're kind of placing strange things on the planet Earth. Um, I have not watched any Kubrick. I've not watched any Renoir. Um, I have been checking out Song Exploder on Netflix, which is the podcast that became a TV show. And it's fantastic. What is that? Just listening to uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda talk about the writing of Wait For It, talking to R.E.M. about making Losing My Religion. It's just, they're only like 25, 30 minutes long, but they're just brilliant. They're really really geeky stuff for people who love the artistic creative process um i was drawn in 
by the Godfather Coda. So I am one of those nerds who what loves that? movies that exist in multiple forms. And Francis Ford Coppola has done various different iterations of all of his movies, right? Apocalypse yeah. Now, there was the Redux, there was the Final Cut. I own them all. And with The Godfather, in addition to having the Blu-rays, I still have the VHS tapes of The Godfather epic where he recut the first two movies into chronological order and put all the deleted scenes back in. I'm not a fan of Godfather 2 being reordered. I like the way yeah. it was structured cinematically, but I love all the extra stuff. Stuff, and I wish I had those scenes on the Blu-ray. Now, Godfather Part 3 has always been a sore spot for me. I saw it when it came out in cinemas in 1991 in the UK, and I was already a huge fan of the original two movies. It was such a disappointment, and I've said very unkind things about it over the years, but I was Everyone fascinated has. to learn. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, a lot of critics were not too unkind to it and said it's a perfectly fine film it just doesn't sit well alongside two of the greatest movies ever made and as part of a trilogy it's a major major drop-off after yeah. part two now Coppola had never wanted it to be called part three he and Mario Puzo wrote it as a coda as an epilogue and that's what they've been given the opportunity to do now. Well, obviously, Puzo died several years ago, but Coppola has been able to revisit the movie and recut it how he originally envisaged it, but also retitle it so it doesn't feel like part of the trilogy, but just a kind of extra part to the story, the kind of full stop on the sentence, if you like. And I bought it on iTunes and started watching it last night. And what I will say is, He's recut the opening and it opens differently and the new opening is much better. But spoiler alert, I already knew that opener existed because it was a special on the DVD years ago. Okay. Overall, he has not made that many changes. He's trimmed some scenes here or there, but actually it plays out pretty much it's like the, the Godfather same movie. Part it's the same movie, but revisiting it. And what is it now? 20 years later, it isn't as bad. And I think time distance has helped it enormously i think a lot of critics were too harsh on sophia coppola she's not a professional actor and her performance does leave a little bit to be desired but it has a certain charm and innocence which works in the context of the movie i didn't like andy garcia initially partly because i felt uncomfortable with a contemporary actor being in a godfather movie but now of course it's all old right it's all past so right Actually, yeah, he, he gets lumped in with those guys now regardless. Exactly, exactly. So actually, it works a lot better now. It's not as bad a movie as I okay. remember it. It's cool. fine. It's a perfectly decent movie. Did it deserve to be nominated for Best Picture that year? No. Is it one of the worst films ever made? No. It's somewhere in between. Again, it just does not compare that favorably with Godfather 1 and 2, which, and this is the final thing I'm going to say on the subject, because you know me, Joe, you get me onto the Godfather movies, it's like saying the word Bond. We could do an entire podcast on those first two Godfather films. A whole series, you mean. interestingly, yeah. no one, no one has ever picked the Godfather as a superfan subject, and this has just blown my mind. We are now 200 shows into this podcast. No one has suggested that. So... I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Pick Godfather. Pick Godfather Part 2. I will do the questions. We'll force no. Joe to rewatch the movies. He can't no. wait. It will be awesome. That's so many hours. I, I've never seen The Godfather 3. Right. Should I watch it? I, I would recommend watching this new version, what's called yeah. The Godfather Coda, 
colon the death of Michael Corleone. Um, but I would not watch it until I had rewatched the original two movies. Yeah, I've only seen The Godfather two once. So. Oh, it's just. I mean, they're masterpieces and they hold up incredibly well. They stand the test of time very yeah, well. Fine. I will say, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the Godfather movies, the idea of a coda, the idea of an epilogue is utterly unnecessary. It already exists, which is the very final scene of Godfather Part 2. After he has his brother killed and we get that flashback to when they were a happy family uh, just after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, there is a scene where we just see Michael all alone, a slightly older Michael, in his garden alone without friends, without family, without anyone around him. And that is the coda. That is the death of Michael Colleone. It's basically, he is a soulless entity. And that is where the story should have ended back in 1974. But hey, everyone wanted to make some more money, right? And that's why the third movie exists. I want to make some more money. So we're going to continue on this podcast. Uh, yeah, just very quickly, final thing. Cyberpunk yeah. 2077 is due to arrive in the post tomorrow. and so Wait, will, didn't you say something like it was week. delayed forever and now it's out well, tomorrow? Yeah, it's been delayed for years, but they, they pushed the release oh. date back from November to December and they're sticking to that now. The reviews are out there. The discs are in the post. It should arrive tomorrow and I can't wait to play it. Is this a thing we can play together? Because I'll get—I don't have that many Xbox games yet. I'll get no, the Xbox I don't think it version. is. I mean, it might—they might have an online mode, but this is this is an RPG. This is a first-player okay. open-world action. Good. Well, I'll get it. Because I'm looking for another first-player game. I got to Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War uh, to play to play zombies, and I will—I tried the single-player campaign. I don't like uh, killing people, like the war aspect of it. I, it, I don't like it at all. I it really bugs me. We've had this conversation already. I made the mistake of dropping 50 quid on Call of Duty Modern Warfare and hated it. I hated the the, re, the realism of it. It's a very well-made game, but I need that fantasy. I need that lack yeah, the of verisimilitude are, are in my super games. fun. Yeah. yeah. Super, so the, the zombie game has no story. It's just like waves of zombies, and I play that. It's fun, right, especially right. multiplayer. All right. I'm just going to rattle through all the things I've watched. Because I don't think we have that much more time in this segment. With a quick review. The Undoing. Liked it. Super Intelligence. Okay. South Park COVID special. Perfect. The Flight <laughs> Attendant. Pretty fun. The Mandalorian. It, amazing. Oh, my God. The last episode was even just as awesome as the previous one. I love this show so much, and I can't wait for all the spinoffs, which apparently are imminent. Disney is going to announce very soon that there are more Star Wars live action series coming, and I really hope that a couple of them involve characters from Mandalorian. Agree. Totally agree. Finished Fargo season four. Thought it was fine. Probably my least favorite season of Fargo, uh, but did enjoy it. Uh, Christmas movies. I watched <laughs> Christmas Time, Bad Mom's Christmas, Christmas Chronicles 2, Holiday, Happiest Season, which was excellent. Um, not a Christmas movie, but I did watch an on-demand, straight-to-demand movie called freaky right uh, which is a a plan freaky friday where vince vaughn is a serial killer who swaps bodies with a teenage girl he's trying to kill okay and <clears throat> oddly enough the song k sarah sarah plays midway through i think as an homage to heathers which is the opening title music to heathers and we're having Michael Sarah on the show, which feels like a weird 
glitch in the matrix to me. It's a very weird glitch in the matrix, but I also can't tell how many of those movies were made up. You know when you're doing one of your quizzes for the guest and you come <laughs> up with like fake titles? Are those all genuine Christmas movies? Yes, they're all gen- Okay, so Christmas time was like one of these like Amazon, like somebody shot it independently and sold it to Amazon. It was fine. A little Christian-y for me. Bad Moms Christmas, I actually enjoyed quite a bit. The sequel to Bad Moms, Mila Kunis and uh, Cheryl Hines and uh, that, that gang. Happiest season was Kristen Stewart uh, playing uh, a, a lesbian couple coming home for Christmas and the parents don't know uh, their daughter's a lesbian. I thought that was actually really good. And Holiday is Emma Roberts. Uh, like a, It's supposed to be like a sexy, like, oh, we're just pretending to be each other's dates for the holidays, but we're really falling in love. Of course. Um, it was fine. Okay. It was totally fine. Okay. So this is supposedly a poker podcast, so I guess we should actually put some poker in people's ears as per the title. Uh, Joe, you have some hands to talk us through from your home game. Yeah, so just a little background. <clears throat> I took some time off. I felt good. I lowered my expectations. Well, that's a start. That was the important part. Uh, I never used to get that mad about running bad before because I just expected to lose. And then I was like running normal for a while and I got it in my head that I can win and that's gone now and I'm fine. I mean, it may come back again, but I realize that this is entertainment. This is me hanging out with my friends. Yeah. It took a couple of weeks for me to get back into that mindset. Okay. So, now that I'm not tilted anymore, do you want to play along a few hands with me? Okay. And as previously advertised, I'm hearing these for the first time. Yes. So, please do your best job of explaining what's going on and don't get details i don't want any i was on the button oh no i was in the big blind oh actually no someone else was in the big blind and oh i didn't even play this hand okay please just keep it simple i think we're good for the most part okay okay so this is all from the same tournament um not much to speak of blinds start at like real low right like maybe even 10 20 now i think they start 25 50 blinds are at 50 and 100 okay i have 4k which is the starting stack so that's 40 big blinds yep Okay. Um, the table been three betting like crazy, and I have queens under the gun. Right. I min raise to try to four bet, get it in. Yep. Uh, we end up going five ways to the flop. Oh, God, that's the worst. <laughs> uh, the flop is jack of hearts, nine of diamonds, four of hearts. I have the queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. Okay. The problem is, Joe, the way you're running right now, someone has easily got it in there with like jack nine of spades and you're losing to two pair. Anyway, carry on. I bet half the pot. Uh, Someone's got to have at least a big piece. Maybe I'm beat already, but uh, I get one caller. Luckily, we're down to one. Uh, Turns to eight of diamonds. At this point, can I bring up the concept of blockers? Are you literally going to scream in my face? No, you can. uh, Please, please bring up blockers. Okay. I mean, you do block a lot of the straight draws. And some of the flush draws. That's true. Uh, the turn's eight of diamonds. And you have the queen I of bet- hearts, queen of diamonds. So you've now got Correct. a two heart, two diamond board, but you have a diamond yes. and a heart in your hand. Okay. Correct. Uh, I bet like just under half pot. Right. One caller, same one, oddly. <laughs> and the river is the nine of hearts. Okay. At this point, I check. The caller bets 1,500. What do I do? Oh, my God. So, it's... You start the hand with 4K. 
how, trying yeah. to work out how much you've invested. What does 1500 represent? I've like, got 200, <clears throat> 500, 700s in there. And it's going to be half your chips, probably. I got like 2,000 in there, yeah. Okay, so anything between a half and, 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 and three quarters of your stack. Yeah. Um, oh, God. The problem is you've gone five way to the flop, and I've got to feel that someone's got a piece of this. The flop flush draw, definitely an option. Um, Jack nine, an option, or any nine, I guess. Ace nine, uh, nine ten, I guess, which has second pair and picks up the straight draw on the. T- I'm a nit, Joe. I'm folding river. I'm folding. I folded. I folded. See, I folded. The old me would have been like, "Our bad beat again," and called. But I folded. And do you know yeah. what your opponent had? I don't on this one, but that's okay. the only one where we don't know what, but, what villain but I, had. I guess, I guess the way I'm looking at it is probably the way you're looking at it as well. When you go five way to the flop, there are so many combos out there which include pe- two pair which improve to a house, a pair that improve to trips, straight draws. Even if you actually- don't go five ways, the way that action went, yeah, I'm yeah. always beat. Yeah. I'm always beat. Um, hand number two. Okay. I'm under the gun again. Oh, wow. I have pocket kings. That's one better have- than queens. <clears throat> Now I have six thousand chips, right? But the blinds are now 100, 200. 30 bigs. Got it. You're making the math easy. I like it. Again, I min raise. This time I get one caller, okay. tightest guy in the game. Okay, tightest guy in the game, and also the nicest guy in the game. Like kind of the guy that Mike McDermott describes at the beginning of rounders. Like so easy to play against. Okay. However, when you say tight, does that mean that this player's three betting range is quite limited? Are they going to be flat calling here with a lot of hands, I guess, nines through jacks, maybe even queens? He's three betting queens plus, never anything lower. Okay. Not even ace king a lot of the time. Okay, interesting. Good to know. Flop comes down, jack eight eight. Right. I bet half pot. He calls. Okay. Turn is a five. Now, I think he can easily be calling with a jack, right? He can have king jack, queen jack, ace jack. Absolutely. All yeah. in his range. Yeah. Uh, turns a five, I bet half pot again. He calls. The river is an ace. Barry, I slow bloody up. Greenstein. I slow up again. I check. He bets full pot. Interesting. I I just know I never have him beat here, ever. Uh- yeah, I mean, I, I I think that he probably, if it's Queen Jack or King Jack, I think he's probably checking back on the river. Ace Jack is an obvious bet and sounds like we may well have nailed his hand. So we fold and he shows Ace Jack. We fold and he shows pocket eights for quad eights. Wow. Okay, that's slightly better than two pair. So the ace saved me. Yeah. On that hand. Yeah. All right. Hand number three. Pocket queens under the gun. This time I three exit. Okay. Josh Molina. Are, are you able to give us any idea? Because we've lost that important information about blinds and stack size here. Yeah, I think this is like two or three hands after the last one. So I've got okay, about so, so I've got like eight. No, you know what? I see all right, there we go. There's my detail. I have enough chips that I can eventually fold. Because what happens is I raised three three X. Molina under the gun plus one three bets. Action folds around to Willie Garson, who's in the big blind, and he shoves. Uh, he doesn't have me covered, but Josh does. What do you do in that spot? Um, 
on the one hand, I look at it and say an under the gun plus one three bet looks strong. On the other hand, I know that Josh got game, so he doesn't necessarily have to have it. I also know that in the previous hand, you had around 30 big blinds and you didn't win the previous pot. Assuming you have a similar stack size, I'm sorry, probably the wrong decision, but I am never getting away from queens with 30 big blinds. I'm probably getting it in here. I fold the queens. Okay. But I do something really dumb, something I'm embarrassed about. I announce before I fold them that I have queens. But Josh is still to act, Joe. Correct. And so um, I fold the queens, and then Josh folds his tens. Right. And we never know what Willie shoved with. But I told him that I, sh- I folded queens. He didn't reply, which leads me to believe um, I made a good fold there. Uh. Next hand, final table. Not necessarily. Okay, final table. Well, this is exciting. I keep like losing these big pots and then like slowly grinding back up. Uh, five players cash. Under the gum limps. It goes full, full. Willie Garson again shoves 35 bigs and I have 60 big blinds. I call with queens. He, ace, he has ace king. Lose the flip. Okay, and number five. Joe, jo, this is just a bad beat story. There's nothing to analyze here. It's uh, just it's just part of the up and down of the game. That's okay, all. It's just okay. context. I mean, all I'll say is, in the same situation as the previous hand against Willie Garson, for 30, 35 bigs effective, I think you've got to be getting it in with queens. So I think you did exactly the right thing. Uh, but we did not win that one. But on the very next hand, I wake up with two black aces, and <gasps> here we go. Pocket rockets. Under the blind opens. I three bet. The big blind calls. The original razor folds. The flop comes down. Jack, jack, four, two hearts. The big blind leads. I shove. Fair enough. The big blind calls with ace, seven of hearts. There's a heart on the turn. I did not hit the one outer. All's well. That ends well. Okay. So this was just one extended prelude towards a horrible bad beat story. They're all bad beat stories, but I told them better this time. Well, you lose. I lost with queens. I lost with kings. I lost with queens. I lost with queens. And I lost with aces. That was my triumphant return. But look at the smile on my face. Yes. Look how happy I am. Yes. I'm fine. I had a good time. I think... And I know that this isn't... And this is me being serious just for one second, right? I know that it's really hard when the results don't go your way to analyze it and say it's about making the right decisions. But talking through those hands, for the most part, you can say you made good decisions. Your judgment was pretty strong. Um, I'm still not sure about the Queen's fold, and especially not verbally announcing it when there's action behind you, you muppet. But, 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 but aside from that, you know, it seems to me that you're doing everything you can to control your fate. And then you just have to leave it to luck to decide the rest. And if it doesn't go your way... Okay, exactly. Luckily, my home game is about friendship. It's about camaraderie. It's not about winning because if it were, I wouldn't be playing anymore. It's about making new friends. Places like Club Quarantine where I made new friends. Friends like Michael, Mike, as I like to call him, Sarah. We are thrilled. We are delighted. We are honored to welcome Michael Sarah to the Poker in the Ears podcast. Hello, Michael. Oh, hey, guys. Sorry, I just made my, my full screen just myself. So now I'm the same age. Yeah, you don't need to see us. You Good Hollywood start. actors are all the same. <laughs> I should not have clicked anything. I was trying to get rid of my window. 
Now I don't see a thing. Now yep. you don't see me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, where? Okay. Oh, there you are. Okay. There Isn't we go. It amazing. I'm just not going to touch anything. I, I do love it. I love it when we can go behind the scenes and see IT problems of the rich and famous. <laughs> this is a TV show that someone needs to make, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we've all been living under the rule of Zoom for like almost a year and still none of us know yeah. how to use any of our websites. So true. No, hey, what we have to say, this isn't Zoom. This is something other pro. I mean, that would be really sad if it was Zoom and I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I've learned Zoom at this point. I just want that to be out there. Good to know. In our, in our home game, actually, Molina has this bit where he always tells people they're on mute. <laughs> Anytime they come back, he's like, you're on mute. And sometimes <laughs> I join in. Sometimes I feel terrible. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely a mind fuck. Well, we got we got Aaron Zork. Aaron Sorkin would only Zoom. We could only get him to do Zoom. He couldn't click the link that you have, but he did mention you, Michael Sarah. Because oh, we did? talked a lot about Molly's game. Cool. Um, that would make sense. Said, yeah. Yeah, we got to tie it into poker somehow. But luckily, with you, <laughs> you like poker in addition to having oh. accidentally made a poker movie. Does Aaron hate poker? Um, he described it as a really boring spectator sport, which when yeah, you realize you're talking, to me too. You're, you're talking to two guys, right, who make a living trying to turn <laughs> yeah. it into a spectator sport. Right. So I guess I should yeah. have been more offended than I actually was. Yeah, he sort of devalued your like existence. But he's also not wrong. <laughs> I think he's wrong. I mean, the very first meeting I ever had with him, I was, you know, all excited about poker. I was like, cool, we can talk about poker. And he was like, you like watching poker? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I think it's like watching paint dry. I was like, what, aren't we making a movie about that? <laughs> so how did he reconcile that with you? He didn't. I mean, well, the, th the thing is, I think that the movie for him was, you know, not really, not really a poker movie or not about watching poker. You know, sure. I guess that's what I took away from that, which is true, I think. Um, yeah, but I thought that, the, you know, poker aspect of it was really fun too and it was certainly a fun part of making it like we just sat around all day playing fake poker when we were shooting that movie it was a really easy fun shoot for me take us take us through your poker history before that like what did you know of the game up until that meeting well um i you know kind of was in high school like during the the poker renaissance or whatever and all my friends and I were, you know, really into poker. We played poker all the time in high school. Like at, at lunch, we would play poker for like whatever we would, whatever kind of stakes we could like get together, which wouldn't even be money. Sometimes it would be just like junk in our backpack. Like I remember playing for like Axe body spray or something. <laughs> and um, I was terrible at it. My friend Sean um, had a poker table in his basement. And his brother-in-law, like the guy who was married to his sister, was like really serious about poker and would always lecture us and school us about poker. Um, and I think none of us really believed that there was any kind of theory behind poker, really, and that he was just kind of full of shit. Um, but then, so I played for years, and then I had a game in L.A., a home game, that my friend Jeff Baina host, has hosted for years, and it's still going now, like a weekly game. And I would play in that weekly, but still I was really terrible at poker. And, but I didn't even really realize that. I was kind of playing in the dark. You know, I just, I was like that guy who showed up. I just liked to hang out. It was like a great vibe. Was, was everyone fun. else terrible also? It was kind of a mixed bag. It was like a, quite a few terrible guys. And then like three or four guys 
who knew what, we, you know, it was kind of like we were playing with the lights out and they were playing with the lights on, just like seeing what was going on. <laughs> and I was cool with that. And then when Molly's game um, came up, I kind of just, you know, there was a lot of time before we started and I thought, okay, well, like for the sake of interest, like I was like, well, some people are good at poker and I'm not. So there must be something graspable about it that I have no grasp on. So I just like started reading a couple books about it. And then, you know, I just got really um, fascinated with that and, and kind of really, you know, into it. And, um, and then, so then I kind of started taking it a little seriously and playing a little differently, which made it a lot more fun for me too. So that kind of kicked me, that movie, even though it was so unnecessary to do that for the movie, because we were just pretending anyway. Yeah, right. But it just kind of re-triggered my fascination with it. And then I got, got a little deeper for me after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're making a film where you are playing someone who's clearly based on a real person, and I think most people know who Player X was meant to be, right? Uh, yeah, how much so. does that inform your performance? How much of that is I'm playing a, a fictional character and how much yeah. of it is I have to kind of at least embody the, the spirit of who that is meant to be? Spirit. For me, it uh, spirit being my poker name, um, it, it didn't uh, have any uh, bearing on what I was doing. Actually, I mean, it was fascinating, and you know, it was fascinating kind of having the conversation about that with Aaron, because um, I didn't know I was kind of I didn't know that it was public information even because um, yeah. I hadn't read Molly's book, which in which he's named. Um, it's kind of funny to like dance around naming him now, but um, I don't know. I don't want to like. No, I, this person I, in any way so and i mean you know so but that was interesting but but the script was like its own thing and this character was kind of very distinctive in the script and i feel like the character in the script you know i don't think aaron cared very much who it was based on i feel like he wanted to make just a compelling person and you know i don't feel like he had the light license to kind of make up whatever he wanted too so it, it, it wasn't that important to me honestly yeah you know, I wasn't doing an impression or something that, yeah. that would be of, of very little value, I think. So I, I've known you for a little while now, and you seem like a pretty nice person. Did it? Is it weird for you to play a dick? No. I mean, no, of course not. No, it's fun. fun. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, that's what acting is all about. It's like, you know, being weird, getting weird, and whatever that means, you know, whatever's called for. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody can relate to that, though. That's like what you do when you're little kids, too. I mean, like people like being the bad guy when you're playing a game when you're five years old, too. You know, it's it's fun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would like it. <laughs> no, it would give you a negative feeling. Yeah, I would think I would feel like I'd have to apologize to like um, <laughs> Jessica Chastain after me, like. I'm so sorry. I was. Just, I just hope you know that was acting. Most actors say playing the villain is fun, though, right? Yeah, it's fun. I mean. Tension is fun. You know, tense scenes are, are fun to play because there's like, there's, there's like an air in the room that's like, you know, I mean, it's immediately diffused when you say cut and you're all sitting around eating goldfish. So, you know, it's kind of, it's just fun to live in a different air, in a different reality for a few seconds. Yeah. Kind of the whole thing. I guess what's weirder is when you have to play a Michael Sarah who's not the real Michael Sarah in This Is The End, and people might watch that film and not get that the Michael Sarah in that movie is not the same as the real Michael Sarah. Or is he? Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you, like, I was just talking about this with my wife yesterday for some reason, but, um, cause there, cause I made a few videos when I was younger of like a public freakout or, or, or something like that, that every, well, not every, but people think 
is real. Some people think is real. And my wife actually, you know, never like most people watch those and don't give it much thought because it's like a small part of their day. It's like a brief flicker of entertainment. They don't go deep on it. And they're like, that's real. You know, a lot, like my wife thought that was the real me before we met. <laughs> How and a lot of people, this? Well, they're, they're just like YouTube, you know, like it was just something we would make on set when you, there's like time to kill and you make a, like a one-off little video thing. Um, and people think those are real, which is very upsetting to me. You know, some people think that's really me. And I, I like when we were making them, it never occurred to me that people could take it that way. <laughs> I feel like people know that, you know, you're acting, but if they don't, they just think you're a monster and there's kind of no way to fix it. I mean, people think so much stuff is real. They should clearly know is fake. I'm not surprised yeah. that something that Good point. kind of looks a little real. Yeah. Gets yeah. Believed. I wrote a short story that was published in the New Yorker like six years ago. And the whole premise of this short story is somebody sends me a text message to like the wrong number. And then I engage with this person and I'm myself and I'm a, but I'm an asshole. And, and, um, <laughs> and my mother thought this was real. It's pure fiction. <laughs> But every, everybody, you know, people just think things are real <laughs> when I think I, it's clear that it's fiction, but it's not. Okay. I'm actually glad you brought this up because there's yeah. one scene in Molly's game that I would love to get. I meant to ask you about this personally, and I'm so glad I can do it on the podcast now. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to see what it was like filming. And then later on with some stronger poker knowledge in you, the scene where you get someone to fold the nuts. Yeah. How fun was that? Oh, that scene. Yes. Yeah. 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 By talking to him or something, yes. right? I yeah. say, because I've got I, it. When I first saw the movie, yeah. that scene, I'll be honest, didn't really work for me because yeah. I didn't really understand what's happening. And then right. when I went back and watched it recently, I was like, no, this is perfect. This is like the perfect, if you had to encapsulate what yeah. this character is supposed to be in one moment, right. it's this. Because he shows him. Right, that he was that he didn't have anything. He shows them, but also the yeah. fact that supposedly this player is so charismatic and so mesmerizing <laughs> that he can literally get you to fold down yeah. mathematical best hand. Joe, you're also assuming you're also assuming that the other player is good enough to know that they have the nuts, right. that they have the best possible hand. And I think it's fair to say a lot of people in that game weren't necessarily the best poker minds in the world. Right. Well, and then the question is whether I knew that the guy was holding the actual nuts. I mean, I don't think I could know that, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing that's really like a character anchor in that moment is that he shows the guy to just to like wave his dick around or something <laughs> and dominate the table and, and make him feel like, you know, that he really enjoys making people feel worthless. Talk about poker since Molly's game yeah, and where you would like it to go for you. For me? Um, yeah. I would like to, to not lose a lot of money playing poker. That's my really only goal. To, to, to be playing well enough to be able to sustain it as a hobby and not reach a point where I'm like, this is a, a hobby that's gotten way too expensive for me. <laughs> that's kind of my only goal. To be honest. You seem to be pretty close to that now. I have not seen you have a lot of losing sessions. And yeah. uh, we can't spoil it, but I do want to give uh, Michael a chance to do a, a, a little dance. We we shot a charity thing a couple days ago, and Michael played very, very well. Incredibly well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was fun. I had to redeem myself a little from the last charity event where Don Cheadle 
crushed me in a heads up situation. It just felt like doing an arm wrestle with someone who's three times your size. <laughs> and you're just holding on, just trying to make it last yeah. longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, a really fun game, and we want to talk about it more. But obviously, number one, we don't want to spoil it for anyone. But I also don't even know whether the full lineup is public knowledge yet. So all we can say at this stage is that Michael's in the game and Hank Azaria is in the game. Right. More details are going to follow on that one. But yeah, it was very <laughs> fun to watch you play. And of course... During this record, during this session, I was thinking, how long is it going to be until Joe finds a way of working into conversation? Michael Sarah folded a full house when I had quads, which is the story <laughs> that he has been dining out on for the last yeah. month. <laughs> it was a good hand. I, you know, the, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I can't even remember why, how I figured out that you had quads, Joe. It was just a, a total feel. He player x me. He got me to start talking. <laughs> no, I don't think I made you reveal it, did I? I mean, no, it's just that you started talking to me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to like goof around and talk back, and like, do I have it or I do I not? Don't. And he's just yeah. like, yep, you have it. And I was like, God damn it, that's one of my only rules. Don't fucking talk. Don't talk. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess the way that the whole thing went. Was it like three cards on the board kind of hand? No. Yeah, oh, you, you had a queen, and there were three jacks and a queen on board. And you had a jack. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Anyway, uh, nice hand. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you want to stay afloat. Yeah. Uh, what about the social aspects of poker? Do you care at all, or is it a solo one-player experience for you? No, no, I do like the social aspects, but I, I'm sure as you find, you know, there's, there's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like, kind of reminds me of being in school socially where you you find your your people that you're friends with and then there's a lot of people you don't click with and i find that that happens to me in poker um but i find that's not an aspect of poker that people talk about a lot but like it's sometimes you're in a, a situation that's socially very weird you're like i don't know what these guys are talking about or the the way that people are joking i'm not really really and you just kind of blend in although the thing i like about it though is if you're not in like much of a social mood you kind of don't, have, there's no pressure. It's kind of like a situation where you're all sitting at a table, folk, you know, facing each other. And if something naturally, you know, comes up that like you can engage in, you can engage in it. And if you don't want to, you could kind of lean back. It's like, it's a good social, you know, current that you can get into. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of suits all personalities in, in, in that regard. As, as events of 2020 have changed poker and we've seen all home games move online, how has mm. it affected your work as an actor in the last nine months? Oh, um, well, I haven't done any on-set work in the last, I, I mean, there, there were a couple opportunities, but it was very early on when things were, when like the dynamics on set and the process of doing that was, it was not, that hadn't been quite forged yet. And we would be forging it on a very <laughs> low budget project where we couldn't even afford, you know, like, and the whole thing kind of fell apart, fortunately, because it was kind of stressful, the idea of doing it. But um, now it seems like people have a, a whole thing down with it and yeah life is resuming so hopefully it won't be much longer i want to squeeze in one last question before uh, we have to get to our game i, I want to ask you guys a question too sure. if there's time if there's time after your question joe i just want to know how does it feel to be part of the mandela effect which part oh the berenstain bears thing yeah yeah, I think it's weird because i i completely experience it the same way really yeah it's weird it's weird that it's stain. I don't like it. I don't like that. That is so and weird. I grew up with the you were on too. the TV show like whatever yeah. it was 15 years ago or something, and you remember it the yeah. way we we do. 
I mean, I remember it that way from the books, you know, like it was, yeah, that's weird. I mean, but maybe we just didn't look that closely at it really. It's <laughs> also possible. That's um, incredible. Is there time for me to ask you guys your opinion yes. on something? Sure. It's a poker question. So here, um, here it is. It's like, let me try and get it. So in a situation where you're like, heads up at the end of a, a hand, it's come down to just two people. Yep. And you're, and, and if someone's like doing a read, if I'm doing a read on you, Joe, if I'm like, maybe you have trips and you know, sometimes people would be like, I don't have trips. You know, I could tell you, I don't have that. Right. You know, this kind of situation. Sure. Very rarely is that person lying. Like saying that, saying that when they, you know, it's kind of like an honor thing in that moment where they're like, I can tell you I don't have trips. You know, and nobody would actually say that if they did have trips. And this, I think, comes down to something considered like a poker etiquette rule, you know. But my question is, would it be wrong if the person actually lied in that situation? Because I, I feel like they would become unpopular at the table. But what's the difference between this kind of lie and every other lie that you tell when it's you're playing question. poker? It's, it's a really weird situation, though, because when it comes to talking about your hand... The only rule or general rule, because bear in mind, and this is one of the problems with poker is that rules change from card room to card room, venue to venue. But generally yeah. speaking, if it, where they do allow you to talk about your hand, the one right. rule is you can't say what you actually have. So right. you can you can talk around it. You can say what you don't have, but you can't say, yeah. yes, I have trip sevens because that's that would be breaking the rules. Whereas to but say I do don't that. would be fine. But generally right. speaking... Um, and I think, Joe, this came when you talked about that hand against Michael, the, the quads versus full house. You said that if ah. someone is talking, if someone is speaking and, and coming across quite confidently, generally, the more verbose they are, the chances are they're really strong or certainly right. think that they're strong. Yeah, talking is a dead right. giveaway. I agree with you, yeah. though, Michael. I understand what you're saying. Uh, and you're right that if a person says, I swear I don't have a full house and they and have they a full have house. It. And, yeah. they, and it gets exposed. Yeah. That usually goes over very badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, for some <laughs> reason, straight up lying yeah. is discouraged. Yeah. And I know, for example, like. But only when, when you're strong. If you were really weak and you lied, it wouldn't be a problem. Correct. You know? Correct. Like, but like uh, when someone does what player X does and goes, look, man, I'm telling you, I'm doing yeah. you a favor. Just fold. Yeah, I just told seriously. I've, so much from you. I've seen guys do that yeah. and show bluffs, and yeah. those guys don't get invited back. Oh, okay. Yeah. The liars are not popular. Well, it's 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 really weird because you're 100 percent correct. It's a game based yeah. around deception, but there mm -hmm. are some deceptions which are considered to be poor etiquette, and. Yeah. Even though they are part of the game and in a professional setting, people may look down their noses, but you wouldn't get any kind of penalty for it. But in mm -hmm. a in a friendly game, in a social context, in a home game, yeah, yeah. people are kind of like, you've crossed the line. And it's like, well, where is that line? Where does where does the, the where does the bluffing aspect, the deception aspect exactly. stop and the honesty begin? Yeah. And it's unfortunately right. it's it is so situational, depending on who yeah. the other players it's are true. and what the game is. But yeah. it's one of the things that's both confusing about poker but also quite attractive about it as well. Because I understand why slow rolling is an etiquette problem because it's kind of like the hand is over. The yeah. need to the need to perform any kind of deception is over. Precisely. It's like, okay, the, you know, it's but but when you're still in a hand, I mean you feel like you can just you should be able to use whatever tool is at your disposal. But there are those invisible lines of what is 
frowned upon. I know? always wanted to host a game or do a TV show where that sort of behavior is encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Like just the nastier, the better. Everybody knows what they signed on for. So yeah. don't it's really mad about it. Joe Stapleton's table of assholes with Joe <laughs> <Yeah>. Stapleton. <laughs> I would love that. That would be much very entertaining. Any table I'm at. Um, there's a great hand from the big game, by the way, uh, if you like watching poker online, where Tony G lies to Phil Hellmuth about right. having looked at his hand before right. they play the hand. And what's the verdict on this? That was wrong. Most people Did say it's wrong, but then there's always like maybe 20, 30% of the people that go, it's poker. It's yeah. poker. It's poker. And also I, Again, in the, the same way we said that everything else is situational, the fact that the victim in that hand is Phil Helmuth means people look a lot more kindly on Tony G than maybe they would if it was some random qualifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be mean. Yeah. All right, well, now's the time of the show where Michael Sarah gets to be a random qualifier. It's a, it's a little game I'm calling this week. It's called Michael Sarah versus the World. And it's a very easy game, Michael Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the name of one of your movies or TV yeah. shows, okay. and the name of the country, and you have to guess what the name of that movie is, translated in back into English, Ooh, from what like they called it in that country. Okay, so it's basically foreign language titles, how do they literally translate <laughs> back into English? Correct. Okay, okay, and all right. For half points, you can ask me to pronounce the name of the film or TV show in the native <laughs> tongue of said country. Oh, I love that. However, I will butcher it, and then it really will become Michael Sarah <laughs> versus the world. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Let's go. Question number one. What was Molly's game known as in Mexico? Oh was God. it attractive teacher, <laughs> poker master, bet mistress, or the girl with the poker tattoo? Okay. It's got to be one of the middle two. Like, let's go with... Um... Miss, uh, no, no, Poker Master. It was a flip, unfortunately. Bet Mistress. Bet, bet Mistress. Bet Mistress. That sounds way too much like Bet Midler. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in Spanish, it was Apuesta Maestra. Okay, Apuesta Maestra. Yeah, Bet Mistress sounds like a porn Bet Midler lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google that as soon as we're done. Question number two. What was Sausage Party known as in Germany? Mm -hmm. Was it? Germany, okay. Sausage Party, it's about the sausage. Sausage Party, the private life of sausage. Sausage <laughs> Party, the sausage seeks sex. Sausage <laughs> Party, this isn't your grandmother's sausage. Okay, I'd say it's one of the first two. What are they against the first two? It's sausage about the party. sausage or the it's private life of sausage. The I'll go with the private life of sausage. I hope that's right. You're oh. 0 for 2 in flips. Shit. It was about the sausage. It's about the sausage. That's very literal. I'm not going to get too geeky or nerdy here, but I did study German, and es geht um die Wurst is actually a German idiom. In the same way we would oh. say, like, you know, this is for the whole shebang. When something, when you're playing for it all, this is about the sausage is an expression. So that's that's why they use that title. Got it. Fair, fair, fair. I wish I had known that idiom. I didn't know that particular German idiom. We've all learned something utterly useless here today. <laughs> Question number three. What is this is the end known as in Japan? Okay, yeah. Is it this is the end we Hollywood stars worst last day? <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Hollywood actor friends shout during the apocalypse. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. <laughs> James Franco and his friends face their final reckoning. Apocalypse clowns. I wish I knew how massively famous James Franco was in Japan, because that would help me figure out whether they would just just help the Japanese public by naming it after him. I think it's again one of the first two, which was shouting actors during the apocalypse, and this is the end of Hollywood star people. This is the end of Hollywood star's worst last day. Oh god, that's really good too, worst last day. Let's go with Hollywood Star's Worst Last Day. Come you on. That clip, yes! Narrowed it down to the right two oh, anchors every man. time. Can I That's just my say, strength. I absolutely love Hollywood actor Fred's <laughs> shout during the apocalypse. And That's can very we, good. Can we get the title of the movie retroactively <laughs> replaced with that? Right. Might do better in Japan. <laughs> so question number four. What is super bad known as in Latvia? Oh, man. Is it B-Bad? Super cool, super willing, oh. or super crackers. Okay, I think I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna take an educated guess on this one and go with super cool, because that was the name of that movie throughout Europe. It was the name of the movie in several other countries in Europe, unfortunately. But not Latvia. In Latvia, it was super willing. Super <laughs> willing, that's true. We were all like, hey, ladies. Anybody, anybody's into it, we're fully willing. <laughs> As we all were at that age, which yeah. I was so genius. Question Super five. Super willing. Great. What is Scott Pilgrim versus the world known as in Israel? Okay. Is it? No clue. Nerd defeats old flames. <laughs> the That's exes. Pretty good. What's that? That's pretty good. Nerd defeats old flames. The exes of my girlfriend. It's <laughs> good too. Current versus former. Wow. The lake house. <laughs> okay. These are strong. These are strong, man. I, I gotta say, the first three are all strong. Maybe I knew like that you, Michael Sarah, what little I know of you is that you would not have wanted an easy game. <laughs> I think I can eliminate current versus former because I, I think they just don't know how to sell a movie over there if they called it current versus former. That is correct. You're, that um, is eliminated. So it's either what, what? My, the exes of my girlfriend or the old flame. Nerd defeats with, old flames. Let's go with nerd defeats old flames. We were looking for the exes of my girlfriend. Uh, I have to say, Joe, you should do foreign movie titles because <laughs> Nerd Defeats Old yeah. Flames is a much better title. It is. It's very good. Question Old number six. Flames. Total of seven questions. Question number six. Right. What is the Berenstain Bears known as in Hungary? Mm -hmm. Is it Toy Bears Come to Life, The okay. Teddy Bear Family, The Bears Wear Clothing, or these bears live in a house. Okay, it has to be the second one there. The teddy bears, whatever. Teddy bear family is correct. Teddy bear family, okay, great. Didn't even need to narrow it down. And finally, <laughs> question seven. Year one is known in Bulgaria as what? <laughs> the beginning of everything. History of the world, part none. Year one, meet your ancestors, or American education system teaches history. <laughs> Whoa, those are really clever. I mean, the fourth one, it should have been, you know, should have been like a joke title. I, I mean, year one, meet your ancestors was the what was on the poster here. 
it was just year one, meet your ancestors. That was like the log line of it. So I'm going to go with that and hope they were just weren't creative. That is correct. Woo! Good logic there, <laughs> Michael Sarah. Is it possible? Is it possible that in Bulgaria they didn't realize that that was like the tagline and they just grouped it all together as this one This is block? the title. I'd say it's Great. possible. Michael Sarah versus the world. Congratulations. Thank you. And a lot better than most people do in my dumb games. I'll give I you think, that. It was I, think you went, I think you went three and four. So you're only one away from having a winning score. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank it was you for fun, coming guys. on the podcast. Good to see you both. Thank you. Unfortunately for the audience, we are not done with stupid games. We're not done with quizzes because it is time for this week's Superfan now. And we are saying hello to another Michael. We are going to Calgary in Canada and saying greetings to Michael Hughes. Hello, Michael. Hey, guys. Nice to see you. Our second Canadian Michael in a row, <laughs> my friend. Um, I would like to thank you. I want to start by thanking you. Um, I really, really enjoyed Heather's. I loved it. I thought it was right. brilliant. I thought, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I was so happy to have another shot at this movie. I definitely get it now. I didn't get it then. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was poignant. I thought it was it was easily translatable to the modern day. Yeah, yeah. It still holds up in, in some ways. A lot of ways it's not kind of uh, problematic for these days, but uh, yeah, there's lots of messages in there that we can still kind of relate to. Yeah. I thought it was a good pick. And I can tell you that Patrick, former intern, also enjoyed it when he put together this quiz. Uh, before we get to the game itself, Michael, let's get to know you. Tell us about yourself. What is your deal, bro? Yeah, well, uh, as you guys know, I'm in Calgary, Canada, and I um, and this might come as a shock to you, but I work in IT. No. Um, <laughs> I'm not, have you, I, I mean, according to your last episode, I think you just have actors on your super fans, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that was the anomaly, right? Okay, Joshua Molina was kind of like the the the, the exception to the rule. Normally, to be fair, I think he's played an IT show. guy before. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a web developer, and I work, work here for a telecommunications company in Canada, and uh, we we do uh, I work on testing. So basically, on your audience, depending on who who we think you are, we'll give you a slightly different messaging. So that's what I work on. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. Um, have the how best to describe this, unique circumstances of 2020 impacted on you and on your job in any way? Uh, yeah, so I used to go into the office. I used to work from home maybe one day a week and now obviously all the time. So that's all right there. And, and financially, we're the same as before. So not, well, that's good. not really, but I mean, I do <laughs> like to go outside and see people and touch people and stuff. So it's been a little weird for us. And we've just actually... Last night we got more uh, more of a lockdown coming down now, so we'll, we'll be kind of stuck uh, not visiting people for another four weeks, anyways. So. Yeah, touch me, Michael. <laughs> touch me. As I have been saying for the last few days and weeks, it does seem like there is light at the end of the tunnel now. Yes. Hopefully, not too much longer, because uh, that fatigue is starting to set in now. You can tell, you know, yep. it's starting to get to people. Of course. One of the things we've been able to do this year is not go to any poker events, but to stream plenty of online events. Uh, we've done extra episodes of the podcast. Um, are you a new discoverer to poker or are you one of our long-term listeners? Yeah, no, I've been a microstakes player for since about 2007, shortly after the uh, some guy named Chris Moneymaker came into the play. Sure. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you've mentioned him, I don't know. 
Yeah, Should every now and then, Google kind of. Here. I should have researched this ahead of time. Comes <laughs> up in, in conversation. Um, so, started microstakes in 2007. Fast forward to 2020, still microstakes. Still doing it. Still microstakes. I well, I play one two uh, dollar in, in person at the you know Flamingo is kind of my place to go. Yeah. When when, when we travel, but uh, these days I um you can usually find me at the one two cent table at the. fantastic well as you know we're going to give you the opportunity to play for a 109 dollar sunday million ticket so how many uh, big blinds is that in two cents (laughs) a lot uh and crucially there is also the poker in the ears t-shirt which you know you're going to get anyway um i i you know it's a it's a tough one i never know what direction patrick's quizzes are going to go in whether Mm -hmm. they're going to be generic really super were you paying attention observation quiz and also i also worry when joe has literally just seen a movie he's normally pretty good so this could be a close fought contest i watched this on saturday though uh, I watched this over the weekend, week. so not yeah. too bad. At least, at least Joe didn't like hate it, and then he'd really be doing very well. So that's true. That's true. Stuff he likes tends to be. There's kind been of the three ones- whole days since I saw it, though, guys. Like four things have happened to me since then. <laughs> Um, There are a couple of random bonus questions. I've got no idea if the questions are chronological in terms of the events of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think the easiest thing to do, Michael, is for you to just give me a number between one and ten. All right. Well, with the point is six and I got the dice, it's it's always coming seven. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way anyone's ever started the Super Quiz. Ever. Okay, question number seven. Remember, if you can nail it without the multiple choice options, you get two points. Uh, what word does Jason underline in Heather Duke's copy of Moby Dick? Eskimo. Eskimo for two points. And Joe, your question. I'm going to get slaughtered. Uh, question, you know, question number three, the rule of threes. Okay, question number three. What line of work is JD's father in? Uh, demolition. Demolition for two points. And there is a bonus question attached to question three. Who did he supposedly kill? JD's father supposedly killed JD's mother. Correct for the bonus point, And you have a one point lead going into the second round. Michael, it's your question. Anything other than three or seven? Number six, please. Question number six. What activity do Veronica and Heather McNamara do on their date with Kurt and Ram? Cow tipping. Cow tipping for two points. Joe, you're not being slaughtered so far. I'm going to be tipped like a cow. Question question uh, five. Question number five. What flavor slushy does Veronica ask JD to buy her? Cherry. Cherry for two points, and you still have that one-point lead going into round three. Michael, which question would you like next? Number eight, please. Question number eight. Who is Veronica's date to the prom? Uh, Miss Dump Truck. Can you tell me Miss Dump Truck's first name? Uh, I'm going to need the options. Well, if as soon as I give you the option, you're going to get it. 
I'll give you one point for Miss Dump Truck. Martha Dump Truck Martha. is the full answer. Uh, so we have a tied game, but Joe, it is your question. Which number would you like? Let's do unlucky number nine, please. Number nine. In which state is the school located? Ohio. Ohio for two points. Okay, we need to get you back in this game. I'm just going to... I don't know if this is an easy question, Michael, so I'm not trying to throw you a softball, but I know that question two is the only other question with a bonus attached. So the interest of balance, let's try and give you the opportunity to get three points here. Uh, How do JD and Veronica kill Heather Chandler? They give her a blue uh, drink of... uh, Poison, right? Okay. Poison. the (laughs) The main question was they poisoned her. The bonus question was, what color is it? You answered that already. So I'm going to give you the full three points, and you now have a one-point advantage. But, Joe, you're up next. Question Uh, one, please. Question one. What sports are the Heathers playing in the first scene? Croquet. For two points. Okay. uh, We into the final round? No, I don't believe we are. Or are we? Yes, we are. It is the final round. There's only two questions left. Four or ten, Michael? Choose wisely. Ten, please. Question number ten. What is the name of the radio show that the Heathers and Veronica listen to? The Hot... Hot... Goss? Why don't you take the choices? Would you like to take take the the multiple choice options? I'll take the multiple choices. Is it Quick Takes, The Heart, Heat Check, or Hot Probs? Hot props. Hot props. We have a tied game. It is nine points each, but Joe, there is still one question on the board, and it is your question. What beverage does JD plant at Kurt and Ryan's death scene to prove they were gay? Oh. I'm sorry, Michael. It's too easy. I can't miss it. Yeah. It's Evian. It is mineral water, mineral and that water. means by a score of 11 points to 9, Joe, you have won this edition of Superfan versus Stapes. You know how it works, Michael. Sometimes you just get unlucky with your pick of the questions, and I think you got a couple of the harder questions there, yeah. which put you at the disadvantage. But, of course, we are still going to give you a T-shirt from the Poker in the Ears range, and we will be in touch to get I'm you I'm sorry I liked the movie, Michael. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was paying attention. I wasn't on my phone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that not everyone can be a winner, but thank you for suggesting that movie. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I had a great time. Thank you. Oh, and thank you for the best, maybe the best one-liner any super fans ever given us. Oh, all right. Thank you. (laughs) All right, my babies. We're just about out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, it's the final episode of 2020. Which is also episode 202, which is 2020 without the final zero. Coincidence? I think not. And I guess, Joe, we should talk about the Blowout series. Blowout series? That sounds awesome. I love John Travolta. Sadly, no John Travolta. Man, animal. Uh, (laughs) But as the company does have leverage over us, um, we're not getting much time off. Over Christmas and New Year, we're going to be no, no. back in the PokerStars arena and we're going to be streaming more high rollers. We are going to be streaming a handful of big blowouts. More on that next week. In the meantime, check out the video that went out on Monday. 
announcing the blowout series. It's got helicopters. It's got skyscrapers. It's got a DJ. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll go into detail about that next week. Uh, super fan. Last one of the year is going to be Paul Andrews. What is his specialist subject? Uh, the Jonathan Nolan TV series, Person of Interest. Oh so this God. is the show that Nolan ran before Westworld. It comes highly recommended to me by a number of people, but I've never seen a single episode. All I will say, Joe, is that Patrick is not familiar with the show either. So I think he's going to watch maybe two or three just to get a sense of it, but it's going to be more general questions around the show rather than the specific stuff that happened in episodes because I think there's quite a lot of them. This is like everybody's grandma's favorite show. Like, oh, I like person of interest. It's one of those like series, like one of these like 200 episode yeah, crime series. But, but Joe, it can't be too ncis right? Because Jonathan Nolan has written many of his brother's movies. He's the showrunner on Westworld, which is out there big time. So it's got to have something about it. It can't just be the normal mainstream network TV show nonsense. I'm trying to come up with the top of my head of like a brother who does prestige things and then a brother who does less prestige things. But I don't want yeah. to embarrass anybody. We're all out of time for this week's show. Uh, in the meantime, comment, like, subscribe. Make sure we come back in 2021 quite strong, just like the rest of the world is. Absolutely. And remember, we are still taking superfan applications specifically for the podcast we got lined up for 2021. And as I said earlier, no one has done The Godfather or The Godfather Part 2. Please volunteer. Make Joe rewatch the movies. And you know what? I will try and drum up some extra special prizes because the quiz will not be easy. Christmas Day viewing. Me watching The Godfather. That is that all the time. Perfect. It does sound pretty cool, actually. That is all the time we've got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Spell you later. <laughs>